Hello again. Let me try this out. This is part three of our Why Worry message series, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. And just uh, so you know, if you go to churchinthevalley.com, you can click through to listen to messages. You can catch up on the uh, earlier messages in the series. You can refer that to a friend if you'd like somebody else to hear it. Or if you already heard it and you want to hear it again, you can go through it through there and do that. In our first month, we talked about how worry is like a poison. It gets in and soaks in at the deepest level of who we are, and it messes things up. And so we don't get to experience the life to the full that Jesus offered when we worry. And then last month, we looked at how that plays out with our money and our stuff. And we can relate to this so easily, right? Because we all have to deal with money. We all have stuff. We all want stuff, right? Maybe we're daydreaming about something to buy. I just can't wait till I get that. Or maybe a place to live. Don't like where you're living right now. If I was just in this other place. Or maybe it's a vacation. And we wonder where our money goes, right? Ah, I'm at the end of my paycheck. There's too much month left. What happened? I get paid weekly. There's too much week left. And some of us are worried about finding a job. It's even more serious. Or finding a good job. We're worried about paying the bills. Or maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe we're really successful. We're doing really well. But we're starting to realize... I can't take this with me. There's no luggage allowance on the final flight. This thing's Southwest Airlines, right? It's not even American Airlines. You can't pay to take anything with you. You just can't. It's easy to overfocus on money, right? To be devoted to it instead of to the God who provides it. And it's easy in so many other areas of life too, right? I mean, just think about it. friends, family, food, fun, fitness, sports, hobbies, experiences, vacations, movies, TV, music, personal development, and on and on and on. All those things can be really good, but if we focus on it, if we put our devotion there, worry. Our perspective on these areas of life impacts the level of worry we're going to have. For example, with the relationship. I mean, what if, what if I really pour myself into certain relationships or just one relationship to the point where that's my main focus in life. I look to this particular relationship to meet my needs, to give my life meaning. Can I guarantee the outcome? No. And what if I really sacrifice for that? What if I'm sure that that's what it's going to be that gives me meaning? And circumstances separate us. Or even worse, something happens between us, we can't get past it, and the relationship withers away. Or I work. As something inside of us wants to excel, or at least wants to be recognized, right? To be told, you deserve more. You deserve a promotion. You deserve more responsibility. You're great. Will I devote myself to work and career, setting other things to the, to the back, and then not get the promotion I want? Then what? Or maybe I'll get it, and I'll realize that's not even what I want. I'm finally here, and it's not what I thought it would be. The fact is, what we devote ourselves to, what we put first in our lives, whether we realize we're doing this or not, because we might not. Everybody's devoted to something, but we might not even realize it. What we devote ourselves to really determines the level of anxiety in life. And that's what we're going to look at today. So, why would we devote ourselves to anything? Why do that at all? It's not a trick question. It's easy. You guys know the answer. Because of something we all have in common. We want to be happy. Right? I want to be happy. If you're thinking right now, I don't want to be happy, then you, my friend, are the exception that proves the rule. Basically, everybody wants to be happy. Whether we look for it in relationships, in work, elsewhere, we all want this. Right? 
as I've just mentioned, career. I will make a name for myself. People will recognize me for my talent and my hard work. I will be happy. Or family. My spouse and my kids will make me happy. Or you could go the other way. My spouse and my kids deserve the very best, and I will give it to them, and I will be happy. And we've talked so much about stuff. I deserve the very best. I'm going to give it to me. Or competition. Have you ever thought about this? Competition of one form or another. In your group, maybe it's a big circle, maybe it's a small circle, it's so easy for us to think, well, I just want to be the best. I want to be the funniest or the smartest or the most well-read or maybe the most physically fit. I want to be the one that people come to for advice in my group. If I can do that, and it's a sort of a competition in my opinion, if I can be better than my friends, basically, then I'll be happy. And then there's always the fun now option. That's so easy, right? There's just that thing that's fun for me, and it just pulls me in again and again, but it's not really pulling me in. I'm turning to it again and again. I'm letting it take control because I think I'll be happy. Even when we're lazy, we think it's because it'll make us happy, right? So we're going to be looking at that today, and I'm excited. Alex Barrett is here. As I mentioned earlier, he's going to come up, and he's going to be sharing with us. And in between, we have a bonus. A good friend of ours, Ian Dale, is going to be talking about some of his story and how that connects with what we're talking about today. So I'm really excited for that. Before I bring Ian up, let me just ask you a few more quick questions. Have you ever experienced something that started off really good and then later took a turn because... You were too devoted to it, and now it's causing problems in your life. And it could be in any of these areas we're already talking about. For me, sixth grade, you can imagine the misery of junior high school. A lot of you guys probably experienced it. Very normal. In sixth grade, some people said I was good at acting, and I thought it was fun. And so for me, I was like, wow, this very shy 11-year-old boy having a rough time adjusting to school starts to blossom in a way. It was really exciting. It was really good. But then over the years of focusing in more and more, I want to keep that feeling. I want to keep that happy feeling. I started to devote myself to it in ways that did not bring happiness, that brought worry. Or maybe you've had a good plan. You think, I have such a great plan for my life. I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this. And by the way, I'm going to go right now, and I'm going to get God to rubber stamp my plan. Right? God, it's going to be so good. I just know I'll be happy if I can achieve this and then I can marry this person and then I can go over here and do this. What do you think, God? Sound good? And, of course, God does not rubber stamp plants like that. But that's another temptation. I mean, we presume, and I've done this myself so many times, think, well, God, if I do it for you, can't I just do whatever I want? But that's devotion to the wrong thing again. So what does that look like in your life? Your agenda plus God's. First you, then God. I mean, I I bring it up because I've done it so many times. Or maybe you devoted yourself to something and it's played itself out to the point where you're meeting the death of a dream. Something you thought you would be able to accomplish and you realize now I won't. Or I didn't by the time I wanted to. What do we do with that? Maybe it's a relationship. I was so sure that this person would change, that by now I would have been able to change them, or something would have happened and they would have changed, and now you're starting to think, I don't think in that way they're ever going to change. And I have to like think the whole thing through. What do I do with that? If that doesn't change the way I thought it would for so many years, if I don't achieve what I've moved towards for so long, been devoted to for so long, 
What do we do with that? I'd like to invite Ian Dale up. A lot of you guys know him. He's been a part of our community for a long time. As you know, he really works to serve the people around him, and he has a great story to share with us today. If you've been to our website or you've got a program in your hand, you've seen Ian's work. I want to show you a few other pieces. Now, this screen is not going to do them justice. You can adjust this however you feel comfortable with. Seeing them on the screen is not going to do them justice, but I thought it would be fun to look at a little bit of his work just to get more of a sense, if you haven't seen his stuff before, of the kind of stuff he does. Let's look at the first one. This was for a message series that we did a while back. And this is the one that, to me, you really got to see in, in true color to really appreciate. Let's go to the next one. Here's a guy. This is just for fun, I think. You know, there's a guy going to work. He doesn't seem too happy. Maybe it's the shark suit. He's swimming with sharks. I'm not sure. This one, this next one, is one of my all-time favorites. Look at this girl. What I like about this so much is you look at her and you think, wow, she, she does not have perfect features. There's a sense, for me at least, that she's not all that she's meant to be yet. And yet, when you look at her, how lovely, how lovable. And that's the way God sees us. Not there yet, but how lovely. Let's look at one more. Okay, so Ian does live painting sometimes. I think, did you do this a couple days ago too? Uh, Yeah, Friday night. So this is one from a previous session, not from Friday night, but just goes out and as part of some sort of community activities, there's, there's artists out there, and so he's painting like as people walk by. Oh, really cool. I just wanted you guys to see those before we hear from Ian. Okay? Now, Ian, I, I like you know, filmmaking and acting and that stuff, and you like art, and so I, I can totally relate to some of this, and I think these guys, whether they like art or not, are going to be uh, able to relate as well. Can you just start us, by, start us off by telling us um, what was life like for you as you really started to get serious about art? Okay, well, um, when I was around high school when I really got... Uh, started devoting a ton of my time into the arts, and my one of my biggest goals was just to achieve great things. I had really perfectionistic standards, and I wanted to be one of the greatest of all time, I guess. Uh, and I also had always, like you had mentioned, I always had received praise growing up from um, family and friends, and I just wanted to continue to get that kind of attention and to have positive feedback from people. And eventually, I wanted to leave some kind of legacy that would even outlast my own life. Um, so those were kind of some of the things that I would strive for. Um, resulting in my identity and my sense of self-worth was tied to my artistic achievement. So it was very fragile because it would change based on how I or others judged my most recent efforts. My standards were unrealistically high, and so it, it was just really hard to be satisfied with anything that I did. The level of greatness that I strove for was in conflict with living a well-rounded and healthy life. Uh, to strive for these goals, it seemed I would need to ignore other important parts of life. And so for a while, that's what I did. So there's probably some worry that came along with that. Well, how, how did things change for you? Uh, well, as my ambition grew, I increasingly found myself unable to reach the goals that I set for myself. When I did succeed, I never really felt fulfilled for very long. And when I failed, I would often take it really hard. At the time, I was an atheist. And in my mind, I didn't have much else to live for. I wanted to create something that would live on beyond my own lifetime. It would be kind of like an immortality for me. Um, But I began to question whether my ambitions were even really attainable or whether they were worthwhile. Would it ever be truly fulfilling even if I did get what I wanted? Um, So as I was humbled by my struggles, I began to look for other sources of meaning and purpose. 
I explored different philosophies and religions, and I eventually became convinced that the God of the Bible was the real God, and I became a follower of Jesus Christ. This was a complete change in perspective for me. Um, I began to realize that my true worth was really rooted in God's unchanging love for me, not in anything that I did or what other people thought. And I realized that my accomplishments could never attain to the perfect greatness that I really wanted. Um, But what I did also find was that Jesus did live a perfect life, and his greatness covered me. So because of what Jesus accomplished, my real future was secure. And my own accomplishments, whether they're big or small in the world's eyes, they're just nothing compared to what God gives me for free. And so what's, what's it like now? Uh, well, uh, one thing I know is that now I'm not alone. Uh, there is a real God out there who values me and takes care of me, and he really guides my path as I go through life. And I also know that I've been created for a purpose, and that real fulfillment comes as I seek out God and I live uh, that purpose that he made me for. Um, over time, I have become confident, very fortunately and happily, I've become confident that my purpose does include creating art in various forms and doing it with excellence. But I've also learned that's only one part of what God made me for. He also made me to be a faithful friend to others, a husband, to provide for my family, take care of my health and my possessions, uh, and also just to help others to know about God and to to grow spiritually myself. Uh, Many of these roles will have an eternal impact that goes far beyond anything I could do as an artist. Um, Over time, God's been challenging me to be content with my circumstances and to adapt adopt more realistic expectations in life. This allows the journey to be more fulfilling and all the big dreams to be kept with an open hand. Uh, But many times, in in big or small ways, I've had to let go of what I want to be or what I want to accomplish and entrust the outcome to God. Uh, One example, uh, right after I finished art school, uh, I'd started a fairly artistic job and I had a bunch of friends and I was also spending a lot of time um, with a a ministry that was allowing me to really grow spiritually and also to help other people to, to grow. And uh, I also just had a lot, of, a lot to learn about life. I'd just become a Christian. But um, I had this goal. I don't know where it came from, but I just had this idea in my mind that by age 25, I needed to make some big splash. And everything beyond that was just a blur. But that was, you know, it, I had three years. <laughs> so um, Anyway, so, uh, but with all those other things I had going on, it didn't leave a whole lot of extra time for me to practice my own art. And my arbitrary age 25 deadline was rapidly approaching. Um, one day I was invited to participate in a really cool project. There was a successful local artist who wanted to self-publish an art book, and she was looking for a few others to participate so that they could fill up a whole book. Um, well, they thought my style would be a good fit, which was really a, a huge compliment, and I, I could have been a great opportunity in that I would have benefited from the exposure that this main artist would have brought uh, to the book. The only problem was I didn't have enough artwork already made to fill a whole section of a book, and so I would have had to make a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, I would have loved to do that, but I just didn't have the time. I had, you know, all these other commitments. I had a job that was actually paying me money. And so, uh, you know, I had to really consider those things. I wanted to be involved, so I kept the door open, and I took a few days to think about it. But as I was struggling to decide, I remember one time I was just sitting in my car, and I was just really, really tired. And I was thinking, like, you know, if I go down and take this opportunity, I'm going to be even more tired even more often. And I just realized I really had to turn it down this time. So reluctantly, I turned it down, and age 25 came and went, and, you know, still wasn't a superstar. But um, anyway, yeah, so with me, I know these kinds of things come up, and situations can, like this can create a lot of worries. You know, will I ever have another opportunity like this? 
You know, why can't I be as successful as this other person? You know, will my friends understand the choices that I'm making? Or will God's path ever take me where I want to be? Um, each of these challenges gives me the opportunity to trust that God is good, that he's in control, and that he really knows what's best. And when I really believe that God's good and I really, really value the things that he values, that helps me to have peace with the, the need to surrender and to focus on what I need to be doing right now in this moment. Um, sometimes, though, when, I'm, when I lose sight of how good God is and what he's in control and when I have my heart really set on what I want to accomplish, then I tend to get anxious and, and the what-if questions start to really take over. Uh, so I'd, I'd still love to be successful and influential and I'd, you know, or even just to simply have more time to create art. Uh, and I know that in itself that's not a bad thing, but I also know that any success I achieve needs to be in the context of putting God and his priorities first. Great. Well, guys, let's give him a hand. I so appreciate you sharing with us today. No easy thing to come up and tell people about your struggles. Thanks, Ian. Mm-hmm. And we can relate to that, right? Whether you're an artist or not. I mean, at some level, we want to be superstars, right? At some level, we worry about those what-if questions. And we're all devoted to something, again, whether we realize it or not. You've got to serve somebody. You guys know that Bob Dylan song? Some of you are much too young to know who Bob Dylan is. <laughs> You've got to serve somebody one way or the other. And we may love God, but love something else more. And we have all those options for devotion we've been talking about, things that we think will make us happy. Career, family, stuff, competition, fun now. But is our devotion bringing peace and purpose or worry? I mean, I'm pursuing the things that I thought would make me happy. Why am I worried instead? And most importantly, what does Jesus say about all this? I'd like to invite up our executive pastor, Alex Barrett. He's going to walk us through the game-changing perspective that Jesus offers on how this is all connected. So, Alex. Good morning. Good to see uh, all of you this morning. Um, I appreciate Ian and Ben sharing. Uh, really, talking about worry, uh, a lot of things related to kind of what you can strive for, um, kind of things that we think we can't control, we, we tend to get worried about. I'm a guy that I tend to worry about stuff I have no control over, like sports, like athletic teams, like somehow that really stresses me out, um, which makes no sense because I don't play for them. They don't know my name, although sometimes they look for me when I scream really loud. But last weekend I was at the MLS Cup, which is soccer. Uh, for those in America, that's a ball that you kick on the ground. And uh, the MLS Cup is like the final. Um, and, you know, it was in Southern California. And there's a team here called the LA Galaxy. And they were in it. And there's a player from England called David Beckham. And it was his last game. And I, I got to admit, I was full-forced into this MLS Cup. I had been kind of looking forward to it for a while and got there, you know, six hours early and just enough time to wait five. And uh, we got there and it, it's all going great. We're all just pumped up like it's, this is the final. And we're, you know, being crazy soccer fans and all of a sudden the LA Galaxy go down one goal at halftime. And my like life began to shift. In that moment, I started thinking, like, I spent money on this. 
what if they lose? Things like that you don't think, like when you're ready, like in the middle, of, you know, before as you're deciding to buy it, you're like, this is going to be awesome. And then you think like, what if this is like the worst game ever and I paid to go? What does that say about me? And I, I began to get really anxious and worried. And I was kind of thinking like, this might not be fun at all. This may be a waste of a whole day. And maybe you could relate this season, some of you. Too soon. That was too soon. That was, that was, that was, that was a cheap shot. Delete that from the CD. Let's just rewind it. But you guys can relate. There, you know, we put kind of our, our faith and our kind of our happiness based on many things. Some things that we think we have control over. Some things that we don't have control over. And I do that all the time. And we all deal with worry. It's something that, that is, is there. And there's a big picture of worry that we're going to look at today. And that, that is what we worry about tends to show us what we're devoted to. If you want to see what you're really concerned about in your life, look at where anxiety is coming from. What, what are you thinking about right now that you're just kind of wondering what's going to happen? Wondering how something's going to turn out? You have to take a step back because in the midst of it, you, you can't figure it out. But look, take some time and, and decide, where is the stress in my life coming from? And that shows you something that you care greatly about. For most of you, you're not worried about how my kids do in school. You're not worried about my budget. But you're probably worried about your family. Uh, you're probably worried about your own budget. You're probably worried about your own future. And that's the things that consume us. The things that we worry about shows what we're devoted to. What I want to talk about today is not just the what we do when worry strikes. Uh, many books have been written. Many talks have been given. What are you supposed to do when worry comes? And what are the methods you're supposed to take? When you dig into the scripture, it's more than what you're supposed to do. It's actually about who you focus on in the midst of worry or what you focus on in the midst of, the, of worry. Not the steps that you take, but the focus that you have. And that is the key to figuring out how to move forward in the midst of stress, in the midst of Money. I want to walk you guys through Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus gives some great instruction on uh, how to deal with worry. If you could scroll back up to that, David. Uh, this is some instructions from Jesus as he talks about your outlook in life. And this is what he says. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What this is talking about is where you set your eyes, where you focus your life, what's most important to you determines the clarity that you have. And what Jesus is talking about is not just the things that you're worried about, but actually what you're focused on. And clarity in life is tied to what you're focused on. It's all about focus. And he gives a comparison of, of two eyes. And the good eye, really what Jesus is talking about is this, this eye that is singularly focused on a goal. And the person that is focused on the goal, and that's only what they see, they're headed in the right direction. And what he's talking about is being devoted to God. If you're devoted to God, you know the course 
to set out in your life. And it's headed to doing life his way. The opposite of that is your eyes being bad. And he gives this description of you're, you're walking in the darkness. You cannot see. And really what he's talking about is actually looking at two different points at the same time. And your vision is blurred. What he's saying is if you're devoted to more than one thing, you're looking in two different directions trying to go to one place. How can you do that? You can't. And so your vision is darkened. You cannot see where you're supposed to be headed. So Jesus is pulling back the curtain. And so he's talking about this good eye, this bad eye. And there's two types of this eyes that are bad. And the first is like this idea of being spiritually blind. You cannot see the God factor in your life. And that, that is that he doesn't factor in to what you do. He doesn't factor into the plans that you have. He doesn't factor into the way that you treat people. You may agree or disagree that he's there, but he, he's not even a factor. And then there's the other type of, of bad eye, which can cause darkness and shadows for us. And, and that's this idea of being visually impaired. God is out there. He exists. He's a factor. But as Ben described, there's things that are more important. There's a master that is more important to us than God himself. And that causes a blurred vision for where we, we don't know how to move, move forward. So God wants us to have help. He wants us to do life his way so we can actually not be focused on two different things going to, trying to go one way because it does not work. And what you find from what Jesus is saying is that the right outlook flows out of being devoted to the right master. If you want help with the unknown in your life, uh, with the trouble that you face, with the anxiety that wells up, it's about who you focus on. Not what you do, but who you focus on. I want to walk you through what it means to make Jesus the master of your life. This is a condensed version of what the Bible says is necessary to turn from going your own way, turn from trying to make Jesus the master to, uh, or trying to be, make yourself the master to, to making Jesus the master. I want to walk you through the, uh, walk you through this. It says that uh, God made us, and if you could scroll back up, David, sorry, David's doing this for the first time, and I said, everything on my notes, I may say or I may not. So I wanted him to experience worry in a real way. He is. Um, but I want to walk you through what the Bible says is necessary to uh, begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it says the Bible says that, that God loves you and he wants you to experience abundant or real life. Uh, but rather than turning to God, uh, we've all gone our own way. We've sinned, choosing to make ourselves our own boss. Uh, the result of this is, is separation from God. And this separation has, has caught, cut us off from knowing uh, God personally. He wanted to have a relationship with us. He wants to be the master of our life. But because of sin, uh, we're cut off. So instead of experiencing the life and freedom that, that God desires uh, for all of us, um, we're dead spiritually. We're cut off. And actually, we're, we're in bondage uh, to the enemy uh, to remedy this situation. This is where the hope comes. God sent Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin. And he was raised from the dead. Uh, the Bible says that, that all people without Jesus, they're, they're destined for hell. That's what means going your own way. But those who repent, that means you're going your own way, you're on a path, and you actually turn around. 
You go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. When you yield your life to Christ and when you make him the boss of your life, uh, you become a child of God and you experience the life and freedom that God has for you. So when we talk about being devoted and who you focus on, this is the idea. This is what it means to choose from being devoted to anything but Jesus and turning to do life his way. When you make this decision, when you decide that your clarity is really linked to what you're devoted to. And you get to the point where you realize, you know what, what I've been devoted to isn't really bringing about the results that I had hoped for. It's not really bringing the hope that I long for. It's not really bringing the peace that I long for. When you do that and decide to go God's way, you, you really do experience what I just said, a freedom and a peace. And another thing that you find in Scripture is this idea that devotion to God alone is the key to experiencing peace in the midst of the unknown. It's not about the worry. We all are going to face it. There's going to be stresses that arise. There's going to be things that come up that cause just a lot of tension for us. They're going to cause us to wonder where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to move forward. But there's a scripture that provides great help. It's in the book of Proverbs, which is known as kind of the wisdom literature. This is instructions that are supposed to help you kind of manage your life. And in Proverbs 4, this is kind of a similar description of what Jesus said. It says, let your eyes look directly forward. Be straight before you. Let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then you will, your ways will be sure. Uh, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So again, you see, it's where you are focused. What has your attention that determines where you go. And the thing with Jesus is as he has our attention and as he is the master of our life, he gives us the tools to deal with the pressures that we face. He's the source of the peace. It still comes, but we know we don't have to face it alone. He is there. Uh, there's some great instruction in that proverb. And under the path of your feet. Let's actually take the time to think through the direction of your life. Now, if you're like me, you don't wake up, get your breakfast and think, where am I headed? What's my life all about today? That may be the last thing you want to think about. You're like, where's the cereal? Where is the milk? But the scripture is telling us you have to take a moment to actually think is where you are headed, where you want to go. Isn't that just a crazy notion? Like, are you living your life? In a way that makes sense. Or is it not really bringing about the results that you'd hope for? Or maybe you don't even know what results you're supposed to have and there's confusion and there's not clarity. There's this idea of you ponder the path, which is you take time to think, is my path level? Is it taking me somewhere where I'm supposed to go? Figuratively, it's basically saying, see the potholes and fill them in. We all have potholes in our life. And many times the anxiety, which could be the potholes or what we're devoted to, which could grow the potholes, all these things Jesus wants to help us with. Now, I have pondered uh, my life many times. I've also pondered even when I'm driving in a car. Have you ever been driving and you realize you've gone the wrong way? 
there's three of you. The rest of you all are directionally right there. I'm very directionally challenged. I, I get lost very frequently. And I was in San Francisco a few years ago, and it's raining, and I'm in downtown driving, which I've never done that before. And I was like, you know, this is going to be fun. I was by myself. It's raining. I've got the defrost going on the front, but it's, I can't see anything. The wipers don't work well, and I have my friend Garmin. <laughs> the thing with Garmin is weather and skyscrapers affect its ability to lead me down the right path. My problem is with Garmin, I no longer think... Garmin thinks for me. That's why I bought it. Problem is, as I'm driving, all of a sudden I'm driving and it's redirecting. I'm sorry, redirecting. And the whole time I'm like, I'm not redirecting, I'm moving. And all of a sudden it says, turn left. So I'm just, I'm fired up. I didn't even look who was coming. I just turn left. I go down this street. And all of a sudden I realize that there's all cars coming towards me. But there's no cars going that way. And in cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco, there's a lot of one-way streets. So I pondered where I was headed as I realized I was going down the wrong way on a one-way street. And this pondering looks like, uh-oh, that's not good. And I, I, did, I did one of those just U-turn park things. And I looked at Garmin and I said, thank you. Thank you. I turned that thing off. And what I realized is I had given myself to being led by a computer that had no idea in the moment what it was doing. And you say, shame on me. And I say, yes, you're right. I'll never do that again. But the same is true in life. Without realizing it, we give ourselves to something that's telling us where to go. And we're devoted to it. And without realizing it, we're headed down the wrong path. And what Jesus is saying, what this proverb is saying is take the time to ponder. It's not too late. You have to realize there's two things we have to realize. The first is uh, you may have been devoted to something other than God your whole life. That you've never committed your life to follow him. And you're not sure what that looks like. But it sounds like this is something you need to do. You realize you're headed in the wrong direction. Or you could be. Maybe not completely spiritually blind, but there's visual impairment that you have where you realize that there's something else that you're devoted to that's kind of become more important than God alone. It has your attention. It has your resources. It, it has you. It's not too late. Wherever we are, God gives us the grace and the help to begin to do life his way. But we have to ask him. We have to ask him for the help. So I encourage you. Uh, I'm going to walk through some next steps. But take the time to think, where is the anxiety come, coming from? And what does that say? So if you have your connection card, I encourage you to pull that out. And if you've not done, uh, if you've not finished completing, uh, filling that out, go ahead and do that. Uh, there's some next steps I want to walk you through as the band comes up. The first, the first thing is uh, take time to ponder uh, my path this week and ask God to show me my worry about what I'm devoted to. Take the time to ponder. Ask God to show you what your worry says about what you're devoted to. The second thing is maybe you've never decided to make God the master of your life. And for the first time, you want to accept him, make him your Lord, which is make him the boss of your life. Maybe another next step is just something that you've heard right down there. You want to make a note of. 
Maybe it's to relook at a scripture. Maybe it's to take time to think through something. I encourage you to do that. If God is speaking to you today, write that next. And he might have just spoken. <laughs> write that next step down. So you'll purpose to, to do that later. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. The last one is to invite a friend. Uh, you may be trying to figure out what this Christianity thing is all about. Or following Christ has made a difference in your life. Well, invite a friend that, that can kind of experience this as well. I encourage you to do that. Let's pray together before we sing some more. God, thank you so much for the fact that you are the God who, when we do focus on you, you do bring clarity. And there's many things that confuse us. Uh, there's many things that cause stress. But in the midst of that, in the midst of the haywire, uh, you do bring help to us as we do life your way. God, show us if there's anything that is clouding our devotion to you, something that we're giving our attention to. Uh, help us to put a finger on that, to identify that, and to take the necessary steps to change. Uh, if there's anyone here that, that's not yet decided to make you the boss of their life, may you lead them to do that today. And give us the help and the strength to take the steps necessary to walk towards you and to change. In the name of Lord Jesus, amen.